This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Right, there you go now. How you doing? Very good. Lovely to see you. Come in, sit down. That's just marvellous. Nice to, to see you, that you could come and join us again today. This is Dexter. Yes, and this is Kidnappers Kids. I hope you're having a fantastic day. And let's have a listen to a tune. It's riring, it's stirring, it's wonderful. It's called the Dam Busters March. <laughs> As usual, we've got a mixture of stories and songs and things. But first up, I'll read one. Well, I'll read a bit of one, because I started reading the, the the last week. And, well, I was partway through it the last week. Oh, dear. Yes, this is Dexter. Defuddle the Dexter. Yes. And anyway, this is from Dr. Zeus, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. The story so far. Who am I? My name is Ned. I do not like my little bed. This is no good. This is not right. My feet stick out of bed all night. And when I pull them in, oh dear, my head sticks out of bed up here. That's it for now. More later. Yes. Thank you very much. And, oh, yes, right. Next up we have a story. I think the ugly duckling. There once was an ugly duckling With feathers all stubby and brown 
and the other birds in so many words said, Get out of town. Get out. Get out. Get out of town. And he went with a quack and a waddle and a quack in a flurry of eider down. That poor little ugly duckling went wandering far and near. But at every place they said to his face, Now get out of here. Get out, get out, get out of here. And he went with a quack and a waddle and a quack and a very unhappy tear. All through the winter time he hid himself away, ashamed to show his face. Afraid of what others might say All through the winter In his lonely clump of weed Till a flock of swans spied him there And very soon agreed You're a very fine swan indeed A swan? Me a swan? Ah, go on And he said, yes, you're a swan Take a look at yourself in the lake and you'll see And he looked, and he saw, and he said, I am a swan. I'm not such an ugly duckling. No feathers all stubby and brown. For in fact, these birds in so many words said, The best in town. The best. The best. The best in town. Not a quack, not a quack, not a waddle or a quack, but a glide and a whistle and a snowy white back and a head so noble and a heart. This is Kidnappers Kids on Radio Hooks Bay. We're looking for a sponsor, you know. Um, but our contact number, if you want to leave us a message, is 87887810. It'll be grand to hear from you, I tell you. That's indeed. Uh, that was the ugly duckling. And next up we have Swinging on a Star. Would you like to swing on a star Carry moonbeams home in a jar And be better off than you are Or would you rather be a mule A mule is an animal with long funny ears Kicks up at anything he hears His back is brawny but his brain is weak He's just plain stupid with a stubborn streak And by the way, if you hate to go to school you may grow up to be a mule Or would you like to swing on a star Carry moonbeams home in a jar And be better off than you are Or would you rather be a pig A pig is an animal with dirt on his face His shoes are a terrible disgrace He has no manners when he eats his food He's fat and lazy and extremely rude but if you don't care a feather or a fig You may grow up to be a pig Or would you like to swing on a star Carry moonbeams home in a jar And be better off than you are Or would you rather be a fish A fish won't do anything but swim in a brook He can't write his name or read a book to fool the people is his only thought And though he's slippery, he still gets caught But then if that sort of life is what you wish 
You may grow up to be a fish A new kind of jumped up slippery fish And all the monkeys are to the zoo Every day you'll meet quite a few So you see it's all up to you You can be better than you are You could be swinging on a star That's a lovely tune. Would you like to be? Yes. It'd be a bit warm if you're really close. But never mind. Yes. Swinging on a star. And now we have Sparky's Magic Piano. It says part one. Maybe I'll find part two one day. Sparky was a little boy just about your age. Uh, Maybe a little older by now. He had been taking piano lessons for almost a whole year and was already on his third piece. One day, Miss Spear, his piano teacher, came to his house to give him his lesson. It was on a Saturday afternoon. Sparky. Now play your new piece for me, The Secret. Here, I'll set the metronome. Yes, ma'am. More practice, Sparky. Much more practice. More practice. I've been practicing every day for a whole year. I can't even learn a piece in a week. When will I be able to play real good? How long does it take? Sometimes I don't know if it's worth it. I don't get to play outside as much as the other kids. Sparky, you're a good student. Don't stop your piano studies now. I wish there was some way I could show you how wonderful it is to play well. If only I could some way let you see what it's like. Well, your lesson's over. Here, sit down in this easy chair, and I'll put one of the records on the phonograph. The one of Igor Podusky playing the Chopin waltz in E minor. Someday you'll be able to play like that if you keep at it. Listen to the whole thing, Sparky. Maybe you'll appreciate the piano more. Yes, Miss Fear. Well, goodbye, Sparky. Goodbye. <sighs> Mr. Poduski can sure play the piano good. I wonder what it would be like to be able to play like that. sure is good. <sighs> Sparky. Oh, Sparky. Uh, who's that? Who's calling me? It is I, your piano. My piano? You're talking. Yes, I can talk, and I can play myself. You, you can play yourself. Don't be surprised, Sparky. I'm going to show you what it is like when you can play the piano well. You 
you'll really show me? You'll show me what it's like to play the piano well? Yes, Sparky. Sit down on my stool. Put your fingers on my keys. All right, I'm sitting on the piano stool, and my hands are on the keys. What do I do now? Run your hands over my keys. I'm playing just like my teacher. No, I'm playing for you, Sparky. I know it's you playing, but when I run my hands over the keys, it's just like I was playing myself. Let's play a piece, something very hard. That revolutionary etude by Chopin, my teacher sometimes plays for me. All right, Sparky. I'll play anything you ask me to play for now. <laughs> This is fun. <laughs> Sparky, who's that playing? Is Miss Spear still here? No, Mother. Miss Spear is gone. Well, who was that playing? Well, I was, Mother. <laughs> well, if you must have your little joke, but let's see you play like that again while I watch this time. All right, Mother. Come on, piano. Here we go. Sparky, I can't believe it. It really was you playing. Did you learn to play so well? Oh, I must phone your teacher right away. <laughs> Kidnappers, kids, Dexter, I'm lovely to see you sitting there having a great time. You can get up and have a bit of a dance soon. But next up, this one is for a lie down, ten in a bed, and then I'll read a poem. This one is called Binker. Yes, 
And this is something by A.A. A. Mill. Pinker. What I call him is a secret of my own. And Pinker is the reason why I never feel alone. Playing in the nursery, sitting on the stair. Wherever I'm busy, Pinker will be there. Oh, Daddy is clever. He's a clever sort of man. And Mummy is the best since the world began. And Nanny is Nanny. And I call her Nan. But they can't see Binker. Binker's always talking because I'm teaching him to speak. He sometimes likes to do it in a funny sort of squeak. And he sometimes likes to do it in a hollering sort of roar. And I have to do it for him because his throat is rather sore. Oh, Daddy is clever. He's a clever sort of man. And Mummy knows all that anybody can. And Nanny is Nanny. And I call her Nan. But they don't know Binker. Binker's brave as a lion when we're running in the park. Binker's brave as tigers when we're lying in the dark. Binker's brave as elephants. He never, never cries. Except, like other people, when the soap gets in his eyes. Oh, Daddy is Daddy, and he's a Daddy sort of man. And Mummy is Mummy, as anybody can. And Nanny is Nanny, and I call her Nan. But they're not like Blinker. Binker. Binker is greedy. But he doesn't like things to eat. So I have to say to people when they're giving me a sweet, Oh, Binker wants a chocolate, so could you give me two? And then I eat it for him, because his teeth are rather new. Well, I'm very fond of Daddy, but he hasn't time to play. And I'm very fond of Mummy, but she sometimes goes away. And I'm often cross with Nanny when she wants to brush my hair. But Binker's always Binker, and is certain to be there. It's always good to have someone reliable, you know. Yes, and so to follow that, let's go for some rowing in a boat. Row, row, row your boat. And if rowing on a boat wasn't enough, if you're not rowing, you could always be messing about on a river. When the weather is fine, then you know it's a sign for messing about on the river. If you take my advice, there's nothing so nice. As messing about on the river There are long boats and short boats And all sorts of craft And cruisers and keel boats And some with no draft So take off your coat And hop in a boat Go messing about on the river There are boats made from kits That reach you in bits For messing about on the river 
Or you might like to scowl in a glass fiber hole, just messing about in the river. There are tillers and rudders and anchors and cleats and ropes that are sometimes referred to as sheets. With the wind in your face, there's no finer place than messing about in the river. There are skippers and mates and rowing club mates just messing about in the river. There are pontoons and trots and all sorts of knots are messing about in the river. With thin boards and outboards and dinghies you sail. The first thing you learn is the right way to bail. In a one-seat canoe, you're the skipper and crew. Just messing about on the river. There are bridges and locks and moorings and docks. Went messing about on the river. There's a whirlpool and weir that you mustn't go near. When messing about on the river. There are backwater places all hidden from view, and quaint little islands just awaiting for you. So I'll leave you right now to cast off your bow to go messing about on the river. Maybe messing about on a river was what you did during the school holidays. Are you ready to get back? Maybe you're already back at school. It's great, isn't it? Yes, it's already exciting. It's a new year, it's new fun, it's a new day. Yes. So, what's up next? Humpty Dumpty, sitting on the wall. What could go wrong? Nothing at all. so much for that yes mm. how about a story would you like a story oh that's grand yes well here comes uh the little red riding hood mm. the definite article there we go once upon a time there was a little red hen she lived with a pig a duck and a cat they all lived in a house which the little red hen kept clean and tidy the others never helped. Although they said they meant to, they were all far too lazy. The pig liked to grunt in the mud outside, the duck liked to swim in the pond all day, and the cat enjoyed lying in the sun, purring. One day, the little red hen found a grain of corn. Who will plant this grain of corn? she asked. Not I grunted the pig from his muddy patch in the garden. Not I, quacked the duck from her pond. Not I, purred the cat from his place in the sun. So the little red hen found a nice bit of earth, scratched it with her feet and planted the grain of corn herself. During the summer, the grain of corn grew. 
First, it grew into a tall green stalk. Then it ripened in the sun until it had turned a lovely golden colour. Who will help me cut the corn? asked the little red hen. Not I, grunted the pig from his muddy patch in the garden. Oh, not I, quacked the duck from her pond. Not I, purred the cat from his place in the sun. Very well then, I shall cut it myself, said the little red hen. Carefully, she cut the stalk and took out all the grains of corn from the husks. Who will take the corn to the mill, so that it can be ground into flour? Asked the little red hen. Not I, grunted the pig from his muddy patch in the garden. Not I, quacked the duck from her pond. Oh, not I, purred the cat from his place in the sun. So the little red hen took the corn to the mill herself and asked the miller to grind it into flour. In time, the miller sent a little bag of flour down to the house where the little red hen lived with the pig, the duck, and the cat. Who will help me to make the flour into bread? Asked the little red hen. Not I, grunted the pig from his muddy patch in the garden. Not I. Quacked the duck from her pond. Not I, purred the cat from his place in the sun. Very well, said the little red hen. I shall make the bread myself. She mixed the flour into dough. She kneaded the dough and put it in the oven to bake. Soon there was a lovely smell of hot, fresh bread. It filled all the corners of the house and wafted out into the garden. The pig came into the kitchen from his muddy patch in the garden. The duck came in from the pond, and the cat left his place in the sun. When the little red hen opened the oven door, the dough had risen and turned into the most delicious-looking loaf. Who is going to eat this bread? Asked the little red hen. I will, grunted the pig. I will, quacked the duck. Oh, I will," purred the cat. "Oh no, you won't," said the little red hen. "I planted the seed, I cut the corn, I took it to the mill to be made into flour, I made the bread all by myself, and I shall eat it all by myself." The pig, the duck, and the cat all stood and watched as the little red hen ate the loaf all by herself. It was delicious, and she enjoyed it right to the very last crumb. Nothing like a couple of stories in a row, and right after that, we've got Hansel and Gretel. Yes, I hope they don't get lost now.
Hansel and his sister Gretel were inseparable. They loved playing together in the forest. In every tree and every hollow was another game waiting to be played. But they never went deep into the forest for fear of wolves and witches. Their father was a kind old man who made his living from chopping wood. But their stepmother was cruel. She hated children and made them do all the horrid jobs in their little house. One day their father became ill and was not able to gather food for them to eat. The wicked stepmother had an idea. Hansel, Gretel, she whined at the children as she thought out her wicked plot. Your poor father is so ill he can't gather food. Come with me and I will take you into the forest and you can search for food for our supper. She had made a plan to take the children deep into the forest and leave them to get lost. I'm scared of the forest, said Gretel, crying on her brother's arm. We may find witches or angry wolves that'll eat us up. And how will we know our way back home? Don't worry, Gretel. I know a way to get home, said Hansel, comforting her. Fill your pockets with stones before we go. Fill them to the top. Trust me. Come on, you two, whined the stepmother again. We don't want to get lost in the dark, <laughs> do we? <laughs> and off they went. Hansel and Gretel had picked up all the stones they could find and filled their pockets to the top. As they were marched off into the woods, they dropped the stones one by one, leaving a trail behind them that would lead them back home again. But then, as they reached the deep, dark centre of the forest, they realised they were alone. Their wicked stepmother had vanished. Gretel began to cry. Don't worry, Gretel, said Hansel. We'll be home in no time. And look, there's food here too. And sure enough there was. So they filled their pockets this time with the food and followed their stone trail back out of the forest. Their father was pleased to see them, but their stepmother grumbled and ground her teeth at them, stealing the food and locking it in the larder. So you think you're clever, do you? she whined poking her shriveled nose into their pink faces. Smart, huh? Well, there'll not be a second chance for you. And she slammed and locked the wooden front door. Later that same night, after everyone was asleep, the wicked stepmother turned Hansel and Gretel out of their beds. Put on your shirts and coats, my lovelies, she sniggered at them. It's dark now and such a good time for you to go back into the forest. No, no, we won't. You're a wicked woman, cried Gretel. Don't worry, Gretel, said Hansel, comforting her again. Remember to collect the stones like we did before. But this time the door was locked and so there were no stones. Come along, my pretties. Into the night! <laughs> the wicked stepmother pushed them into the darkness. Hansel thought quickly and grabbed a loaf of freshly made bread from the table and stuffed it into his pocket. This time, instead of dropping the stones along the path, Hansel broke off a little piece of bread every few steps, leaving a trail of crumbs that led back to their house. In the dark centre of the forest, owls hooted at them in the darkness. Then again, Hansel and Gretel looked around and found they were alone. Their stepmother had vanished into the night. How would she find her way home? Gretel cried again. This time we'll never get home. We've no path of stones to follow. Don't worry, said Hansel, comforting her again. I've laid a path of breadcrumbs over. But there was no path to be found. The birds and the squirrels had eaten the bread, and so this time they really were lost in the forest. They curled up to sleep as best they could in a hollow tree, Hansel protecting Gretel from the night. Next morning they set off in search of their little cottage. For three days they searched, but just got more and more lost. Until, late in the afternoon, they came across a small clearing, and there, right in the middle, was a house made entirely of gingerbread. They couldn't believe it. 
Inside lived a little old lady who asked them in to eat. The chairs were made of cake, the cups were made of candy, the curtains were made of icing and the doors were dark thick chocolate. Hansel and Gretel ate until they were full and went to bed with deep soft pillows and crispy white sheets. They were safe at last. But not so. Next morning, the old lady locked them in cupboards. Welcome to my gingerbread house, said the old lady from outside the cupboard doors. You can eat as much as you can when you stay in my house, because when you're fat and plump, I shall eat you up. <laughs> this is what she did. Every day she gave them great platefuls to eat and waited for them to eat it. In each cupboard door there was a little hole, and every day she called to Hansel and Gretel inside. Show me your finger, little boy. Stick it through this hole, she would say. I want to see if you're fat enough for my supper. But Hansel just stuck out a little bone through the hole, which never got fatter. Oh, fiddle-dee-dee, said the old lady angrily one day, feeling the thin bone. You've eaten all my food and still no fatter. Oh, never mind. I'll eat you anyway. This time she opened the cupboard door where Gretel was hidden. Now then, my little girl, she said, climb into the oven and tell me if it's uh, hot enough for your tasty little brother. <laughs> but I don't know how, said Gretel. I've never been in an oven before. You'll have to show me. Oh, very well, grumbled the old lady and climbed into the oven. There now, it's nearly ready. Ready for you, said Gretel, slamming the door shut and running to Hansel's cupboard to set him free. The old lady's screams could be heard deep into the forest as they ran away. And just as they faded into the distance, they saw a familiar sight. They were home at last. Their father was thrilled to see them and listened to their story. But what of their wicked stepmother? She had never returned from the forest that night. She had been caught in her own trap and was never heard of again. It's grand, it's great, it's wonderful, it's Kidnappers Kids. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I am, and next up we have not just Little Toot. No, no, this is Little Toot Lost in the Fog. There's Little Toot the Tugboat, always happy and gay. He flies his flag like a puppy dog's tail. Work is always play. Now if you want to feel important and sharp as any thistle, just take a tip from little toots. Get all seamed up and whistle. <laughs> that was little toot all right, and what a cute silly whistle he had. But listen to his father, Big Toot, blow his whistle. <laughs> Big Toot was coming down the river, and he was pulling a cargo ship headed for the open sea. What a thrill it was for Little Toot to see his father right in the lead. Now Little Toot the tugboat would like to be like his dad. Out where it's rough and a going stuff, a work is not so bad. He's sure to good dock a freighter or find a barge to haul. He could rescue an ocean liner if he ever got there at all. When he saw such an impressive sight, Little Toot was determined to get out and help his father with the cargo ship. Blowing his black smoke balls, he pulled up alongside the big boat. But instead of grabbing a tow line as he should, he grabbed the anchor chain. And down came the anchor with a splash. <coughs> All the boats around burst out laughing. Poor Little Toot, what a foolish mistake. Sheepishly, he backed away, and this time, right into the path of another tugboat. 
The other tugboat was the J.G. McGillicuddy, the meanest boat on the river. Poor little Toot, every time he got into trouble, the J.G. was always there to bawl him out. And he had been trying to be a useful little tugboat, but before he could even shed one salty tear... There went the fireboat, and little Toot chased after it. Pier 15 was on fire, and all the firefighting equipment was there to fight the blaze. Poor little Toot got right in the way of that fireman's hole. <laughs> but lucky for him, his father was right there to rescue him. Big Toot felt that if he could only put little Toot to work, it would help keep him out of trouble. As it so happened, there was a stubborn old freighter across the river that Big Toot had been trying to dock. The other boats looked a little skeptical, but he put little Toot at the stern and threw him a line. One blast on the whistle, said his father, meant to push forward, and two blasts to pull back. All the other tugboats knew what they were doing, but little Toot seemed a bit confused. Sounds were coming from all directions, and they echoed and re-echoed around like a chorus of bullfrogs. Was that one blast, or was it two? Pull, little Toot, don't push! Now you've done it. You've got the tow line all fouled up in the propeller shaft. Try to be grown up, but you've got to own up. It's like reaching for the moon. Way out in the outer channel, little Toot drifted around and around. It seemed to him that he hadn't a friend left in the world. But he did have one friend. It was the old bellboy that marked the channel for incoming ships. And he was warning little Toot to go back. When Little Toot looked all around, he saw nothing but a great gray mist. There was a fog rolling in, and before he knew it, he was completely surrounded by fog. Suddenly there was a sound like nothing he had ever heard. It was the foghorn of an ocean liner, and it seemed to be coming right at him. Little Toot became very frightened. By now the sound was so loud that it seemed to be all around him like the fog. Suddenly there appeared out of the fog a giant ocean liner. In the haze, the ship could see Little Toot there in his path. He even reversed his engines, trying to stop, but it was almost too late. Just in the nick of time, through the fog came Big Toot, head down like a football player. With split-second timing, he shoved Little Toot out of the path of the oncoming liner. It hurt very much. But Little Toot didn't say a word. When the fog lifted, Big and Little Toot came into the harbor arm in arm. The captain of the ocean liner was there, and he was telling everyone that in the fog, he hadn't realized he was so close to land until he saw Little Toot. He even praised him for saving his ship. Little Toot was a hero, and all the other tugboats were glad to welcome him back. Even old McGillicuddy tried to smile. But he's never in a fog He really feels important And sharp as any thistle You just listen to Little Toot And join right in and whistle Well, thank you all so much for coming along and listening to Kidnappers Kids. I hope you had a good time. We've got one more song, then I'll be off and I'll see you next time. This is Dexter saying to Rafa now uh, with Morning Time, Morning Town Ride, The Seekers. Yes, and don't forget now, be kind to one another. Ta-da! Oh
program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.